What's up, Conroe? Welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio, right here on 104.5, 106.1, the sister stations, streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. As always, you can check out Facebook.com backslash Nerd Thug Radio. And um, if you want to just hang out with me right now, it's Corey DLG, and with me as usual is little brother Nico. That's me. We are uh, blowing up this wonderful Friday afternoon. It's 2 o'clock, which means... The declaration is official. The mayor of the weekend has spoken. The week is over. We finally made it, boys. That's we it. Did. It's over. It's done. We finally, we finally made it to the end times. Well, not hopefully not that. that. Yeah, well, yeah, no. Ooh, I mean, ooh, misspoke yeah. there. Not what, not what I meant. <laughs> Every time I talk to you, you keep trying to end the world. Oh, uh, look, it, it, it's on my schedule. It keeps coming up. And I'm like, ah, maybe later. <laughs> <laughs> It's just weird because I've had conversations today about the end of the world. So, like, you're in my head. I'm always in your head, Corey. We're too related. We are genetically the same. That is true. Um, you know, I'd like to think, like, the, you know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you know, bring your, bringers of the end times, right? What if it's just, the, like, the reason the world hasn't ended is just continuous scheduling errors? They're just like, are, are you free 2021? The other one's like, ooh, I'm going to have COVID. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, he's like, oh, death or pestilence is like, oh, I was gonna have COVID that year. Uh it's a pretty big year for me. Yeah, he's like, he's like oh, I would have come. I got, I had a barbecue. Uh, mm. uh, Probably. So not. we've just, we've just like constantly like they're just trying to manage their schedule. So you. Well, if that's the case, at some point they are gonna get it together, and it's all I mean, downhill from there. I mean, just as just as uh, time predicts, all things must come to an end. Oh, okay, all right, good to know. Why yes. are you always trying to end the world? <laughs> Look, it's just as, the only reason we've made it this far is scheduling errors. I guess. Um. Okay. So there's a lot going on. I wasn't on yesterday's show. Nico kicked me off sent me a text he's like you better not show up if you do i'm gonna have someone break your legs and so i took the day off um yeah. it was aggressive it was an aggressive stance brings my total days of missed shows to eight i just made that number up i don't know that sounds right though um so we didn't get to talk a lot of sports there's a lot that's happening this week so we're gonna try and touch on it real quick and then get into some other fun stuff that's going on here um We'll start with this. A bunch of people got their feelings hurt because Simone Biles pulled out of the Olympics. Um, Nico, how do you feel about that personally? Uh, Like, personally, I don't have any issue with the decision. I mean, she's already proven time and time again that she is the the greatest gymnast, I mean, in the world right now. She's already won gold before. This would just be a repeat. And honestly, like, the athlete's mental health and well-being is far more important than a medal that we're going to talk about as a well, footnote it, in her career. <laughs> well, and it's not, it's not even like we really care that much about gymnastics. Like we barely cared when the guy molested like 200 gymnasts. Like it was a blip in the pop culture, like right. time stream. Like it wasn't, I just, my, my issue is all these people who are complaining about it, they're not going to, they couldn't name three other people on the Olympic women's gymnast team. So like, it's sort of a hollow complaint for the most part. Um, yeah. I mean, and really, the person who's getting hurt the most is Simone Biles. This is costing her money and endorsement dollars. And now, look, there's probably not a lot of donors or sponsors who want the bad publicity of bailing on the woman who's pulling out for mental health reasons. But there are probably lots of bonuses and stuff that she's missing on. Um, right. And I mean, at this point, I don't, I don't think she needs the money. No, I'm just saying that the only person she's really hurting is herself. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, and also. She has probably one of the most unique relationships with the sport she competes in. Um, and specifically what I mean by that is she is one she is so talented and so capable that earlier this year she performed a move that the International Olympic Committee gymnastics scoring people deemed too dangerous for other athletes to attempt. And therefore refused to score it on its difficulty 
and gave it a lower score so other people wouldn't try it. Yeah, and I I don't know if you've also seen like the chart of like average scores in gymnastics and like how that changed over the years and Simone Biles is just such an outlier. <laughs> well, listen, she already is the best, but my point is like can you imagine like let's say you're Michael Jordan and you're so good at basketball that the NBA starts making you like your baskets are only one point instead of two and three. Right. Like that's what they did to her. She performed a move so incredible and so beyond everyone else's ability that they were like, we can't score this properly. If I was her, I wouldn't have gone to the Olympics after that. Um, You know me, I'm kind of a jerk, but I, I would have at that point when, and they even released a statement along the lines of like, this move is too complex and dangerous, blah, 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 for the safety and health of other athletes, et cetera, et cetera. If I was her at that point, I would have been like, I don't like, I'm out there for me and I'm doing stuff that's never been done before and you don't want to respect it. Like call me when you're ready to have an actual Olympics. Right. I'll be over here waiting for you guys to actually recognize the greatest in the world. Um, from that perspective, between the grading issue of those, of that maneuver and then also, she almost died, apparently, a couple days before. Did one of her events, she got the twisties, and she essentially got lost midair and didn't know where the floor was. That's incredibly dangerous. Uh, another gymnast had a massive injury um, this week. So, like, there's no reason once you had the health, once you had the scare and you already know they're not judging you fairly, eh, eh. Yeah, don't, why? Don't why even compete? She's already yeah, she's already proven herself once before too. This would just be a right. second time around. And we just, you know, what I was thinking about the other day, um, and I hope this isn't too negative here, but I was thinking about this the other day. I was watching that clip from a few good men between Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. Uh, I don't think you know the movie. Do you know the movie? I've I've heard of it, never watched it. Okay, we'll, we're gonna watch it some point. This is it is a really good movie, but essentially. Uh, Tom Cruise is defending these two Marines on, on the Guantanamo Bay base um, because they performed an intermilitary di- discipline action called a Code Red, which is off the books, and it resulted in the death of a fellow Marine. They were punishing him for being a poor Marine. They were doing it internally inside the unit based on an order from Commander, uh, the, Jack, the character Jack Nicholson plays, who's in the process of he's going to be named like the Secretary of Defense or something. He's about to be a really big deal. He's a powerful oh, figure. Okay. I have I have I have seen at least some of this movie. I don't think I've seen it from the beginning. Yeah, though. so in the trial, essentially what Tom Cruise needs to get Jack Nicholson to admit is that he ordered the code red, which would be a big deal. So he 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 they get into this verbal confrontation about like how everyone always follows Jack Nicholson order uh, Nicholson's orders. And Nicholson says, That's right, it's life or death. People don't disobey me. If they do, people die. So then he Tom Cruise kind of traps him a little bit. So Nicholson goes off and he gives this speech and it's a powerful, it's one of the best speeches in any movie. The exchange between them is world famous and quoted all the time. Uh, you want, um, you want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I'm done. I'm entitled to the truth. Like they're just, they're back yeah. and forth. Um, but the speech is about how people really can lose their way. Cause he's like, He's saying how, like, he takes honor and dignity more important than everyone else. Um, you know, and things um, in places you don't talk about at cocktail parties, you need me on that wall, you want me on that wall. Uh, who's gonna, who's gonna guard the post? Is it you? Is it you, Lieutenant Weinberg? Like, he's, he's telling these guys that they're not man enough to, to defend the America that he defends, that they take advantage of. And he's the bad guy. But if you listen to his speech, I really I hear a lot of that in how people kind of talk about some issues today. And it really got me thinking about it with the Simone Biles stuff, because realistically, what people are most mad about is that she makes us look a little bit weak, sort of, kind of. It's um, not it's not another gold medal that we can chart around. Well, but but then the other girl did win. Suni Lee did win individual gold. So even then, like, but. It just makes us look weak that she took a mental health day. And these people who are so like, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. Um, He's like, we live by a code that you guys make a punchline out of with words like honor, code, 
dignity, uh, dignity and integrity. Like he, he, but then in reality, he ordered the code red. Like he also had no honor and code and integrity. You know what I mean? Like, but the reality is he went too far in service of those concepts. And I think people, I think too many people are agree with Jack Nicholson these days. Right. Where they've, they've created this almost false version of reality where no one else or anyone who does something against what they believe is the truth. Well, almost like it's like, it's like, it's okay to maybe go too far. If it's in, in defense of something you believe in, like the ends justify the means, which is, I guess, ultimately what the, the moral of that movie is because in the end of that movie, spoilers for this 20 year old movie, um, the Marines are still found guilty because they didn't protect uh, Private Santiago. They performed a code red on him, and he died as a result. Like these guys' conduct was unbecoming; uh, they were dishonorably discharged, and they didn't realize that the whole time because they were just following orders. But they didn't realize that it's up to them to like those words do mean something, but you have to make them mean something, right? And I, I think. I think I was thinking about that the other day, and I th- I've been thinking about it a lot. Where like, I think too many people, if we played that speech today, would agree, would think that like, oh, that's such a weird ending. Like, they arrested the good guy. Yeah, and I mean, it depends. It depends on your like perspective of what you view as good, especially like that. I think is a little bit more narrow case because it's it's not that it's clear, but it's pretty obvious to I think. Like, who the bad guy is because, you know, he's dead. <laughs> like, well, he goes, someone's well, actions resulted in someone's death. And it's right. like, so clearly that's not... Right, yeah. And so when it's when it's drawn out and there's a lot more gray area, I think he'd be right. That's right. Like, people are taking his argument. Like, when they hear his argument, they don't see the folly of it. They see the bravery in it. Right. Because here, here was a guy who was saying these things when clearly his actions had lacked those things, but he doesn't he doesn't see, hear, or feel that. Of his own mind, he's like, I yeah. Again, his 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 truth was that he was in the right. Like people die when they don't follow me. This is like the reason he died and the reason he gave the order, not one and the same. Right. Exactly. And I think that that's uh, I think it's hard. I think it, it was a weird realization to have, where I really think like, I mean, really, you can almost apply it to any of it. Like um, the Kyle Ritter kid who, you know, shot people in the crowd, and there's a group of people who think that he's a hero, and a group of people who are, who are like, no, he's a kid. Like, no one ever should have brought him there in the first place. Like, you know, there's a whole group of people who failed this poor child, and other people are like, he's a hero. And I and I think that, you know, I think a lot of the thin blue line cases that you see in the videos and stuff. I think I, I almost think if you play the Jack Nicholson speech right before you hear whoever it is that's about to defend the video, like you know what I mean? Like it almost puts it into a context. Right. It's, it was a weird thought I had. I was like, man, like I think I think Jack probably seems more right today than he did then. Yeah, and I mean that goes back to, you know, Messages and stories change over time. Like, I'm sure that was never the intention, but well, no, he's the villain of that story, but not anymore. I think there's a lot of people now who wouldn't hear that. They're like, "That's what I'm saying." Yeah, yeah, but that's a scary thought too. Like, he's clearly wrong, but yeah, again, and in the in the context of the story, he's definitely wrong. Like, the people are dead because of him. But the more you go out, and the more gray things get. For sure. Like, applied right. applied to a world at large, it's a very different story. Exactly. Let's uh let's keep Shade Friday going here. We got more shady stories coming up here. Um <laughs> the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma decided they no longer wanted to be a part of the Big Twelve and they asked official and they asked uh the SEC to invite them in. Um that's it. Like these are the last two big schools of the Big Twelve. So this is the death of the Big Twelve. Like, bye. Bye. Um, We're no longer the Big Twelve. We are the Big. Well, they, and... it, well, 
they weren't. Like at one point they were the Big Ten, and you could see the one they they hid the one and the zero in the logo of the Big Twelve. It's really weird. Like I don't know. I don't know. college, the college conferences are messed up. Now, to me, college sports are messed up. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the conferences are no better. Uh, but to me, this just means Texas and Oklahoma are never going to win a championship again, ever. Nope. Um, in Big Twelve. They were both cycling in such a way where every four or five years they would win some stuff. Oklahoma has had the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback I, I, like three or four in the last few years. Like they, But um, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm confused as to what the ultimate point of this is. I'm sure it's money. I'm sure when they do the money math, they come out ahead. But like they're never going to be better than Alabama. So, I feel like that's just one of those things. It's just it's gonna be true until their head coach dies. Well, well, oh, you think? Uh, yeah. Listen, when Nick Saban leaves Alabama, I don't, I don't know, man. Well, he might. He it might not be Saban. It might be like just the program is now like like it's so automatic. Yeah, like. Turns out Nick Saban hasn't worked in like eight years. He's been just doing golf and showing up to Zoom meetings. Well, like part of what he does do is he gets these like assistant coaches who want to one day be head coaches. So they they kind of go through the paces under him. Like maybe it's probably, maybe it's he probably like a, does less work than most coaches. Right. He's probably. I mean, I would I would assume he's similar to something like a Bill Belichick type, where he got he's he's got people underneath him, but. Some of those are hit and miss because when 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 people go out from New England, they're either okay, really good, or terrible. Yeah, it is a weird thing. Like you kind of hold your breath at first, like, oh, what are we? What did we get from New England? All right, or is are we? Do we get the mid one? Did we get someone who's actually good, or are we? Did we get nothing? And yeah, that's the reason they left. <laughs> <laughs> and that is that can happen. So that is kind of a. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, but I don't. It's just tough to say. Like, oh, at least in the next five to ten years, they're not going to win. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't disagree with you. I mean, um, like, if you're going to like, I, I don't know a lot about college sports, but I do know like three things. It's like you don't mess with Alabama. <laughs> uh, it's super corrupt, and the NCAA is a literal hack. All right, there you go. That's true, but they are letting players get paid this year for the first time ever. I'm impressed by that. Uh, that that was probably an act of, of Congress and probably so well, that they wouldn't. Was, the state of California had passed a law that had individually said uh, starting at a certain date, and I think that date was coming up, uh, schools in California, those players will be eligible to receive money and cannot be punished by any non-governing body, which would be the NCAA. Thank uh, God, because, I mean, literally. So that basically forced the NCAA to go, okay, everyone can get paid. Like if you want to talk about people who are just robbing, oh, the youth blind NCAA every single 100%. time, hundred um, percent. I don't like to make slavery connections very often, uh, but for sure it was a forced labor. These people have no like the horror stories of the people and the things that happen, the injuries they get playing sports and then get abandoned by their college. They're not get fixed. All the different stuff. like. Yeah, no, it's yeah, especially it's especially especially the kids that don't get to go into because it's a different story when they get to go to the major leagues because it's like oh yeah, but now they're like a it's like oh yeah, you play in a great college, you go into the NFL or the NBA or whatever it is, and then you make millions of dollars. It's like yeah, but that's like the very very tippy top one percent of people. Right, and there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, but you get a free college education. And the reality is you don't. You only get access to that scholarship while you're on the team. So if they change coaches and they cut you, uh, if a new recruit comes in and takes your place, um, yeah, that, that, if, you, if you become pregnant, uh, if you get injured, uh, if it's a serious enough injury where it's going to take too long to come back, uh, there's all kinds of things where they just flat out, okay, you're dropped from the athletic scholarship program. And that's it. Yeah, um, it's it's a it's a it's brutal and unforgiving, and well, led in our, by in our, just the most corrupt. Tell people, 
our dad used to tell people who would get um, soccer scholarships. That basically the way that worked is a lot of times um, the coach is limited on how many. So he only has eight scholarships, but he has, but he's dressing 14 players. So there's a couple people who are literally who make the team, but are paying tuition to play on the team. And then there's always a guy who loses his scholarship because he's a senior and he's only okay. And then here comes another freshman. And so they need to lock him in. So they need the scholarship to give it to him. Right. So that means the senior's got to take out student loans for his senior year of college. And, and he's more than likely going to stay on the team because he's already been doing this for three years, blah, blah, blah. Like the coach is being a jerk, but it's asset like management at that point. And it's, it's unfair, but it's reality. And so like, yeah, man, like when people act like it's such an un, it's such a one-sided situation, it's really not. Right. Plus um, anything to get, to get one over on the NCAA. I hate that organization. No, and I'm with you there. Speaking of getting things over on people, uh, all day long it was reported the Washington Nationals, the Washington Nationals have been wanting to trade Max Scherzer. Um, the conversation had been more than likely they were going to trade him before the deadline. So the last year of a deal, it's like a $30 million number, uh, but he's not going to resign with them. They haven't been good. They don't want to pay him. Um, the conversation has been, we're more than likely going to move you. He has been slow to get involved in the process. The trade deadline's coming up. Um, he wants to go pretty much only to the West Coast or stay in Washington. Those were his choices. Um, so pretty much all day today that was being reported that the Padres – had put together the pieces to do a deal to get Max Scherzer. Um, then that was all a of a sudden, <laughs> it turns out it was. I got a pop up um, from like Bleacher Report or something at like nine o'clock, and the Dodgers had swooped in and gotten Scherzer and star shortstop Turner from the Nationals, both of them in one trade. Um, what? Completely out of the blue. Uh, it's not, it's not often where teams are or like where sports reporting is this off. So it must be like the Dodgers. It must be the Padre reports were probably true. And the Dodgers kept going like, what do we need to add in to be the team who does this? Yes. They said, what, what, what is our team? The Led Dodgers need to use. <laughs> and so they, they did, they, they hijacked a trade. Um, I think That's it's insane. kind of funny. Uh, also going on is it's the NBA offseason now, finally. And um, the Lakers fired the first shot before the draft last night. Um, the Lakers traded Kyle Kuzma and uh, Montrezl Harrell for, and Catavius Caldwell Pope for Russell Westbrook. Oh, nice. There you go. So it's LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Antonio Davis now. Nice. Anthony Davis, I shouldn't do that. Um, it's a big trade for the for Washington because Kyle Kuzma has three years, $39 million. He was just started this new deal. Um, there's a, <laughs> Adrian Wojnarowski, who is like this great NBA reporter. Um, they call him Woj Bombs when he drops a tweet with like a big like reveal in it. Mm-hmm. Um he first reported this trade, but he also said that the Lakers had offered uh, Kyle Kuzma and Contavious Caldwell Pope to every team in the league. Ooh. Um, That's a good feeling, right? It then came out from unnamed sources that essentially the feeling about Kyle Kuzma is there's a disconnect between how he views himself and his accomplishments on the court. And they pointed to a quote that he had last year that said, every year I'm getting better and adding new things to my game. And I definitely feel like I'm a 20 point a game guy who could be making all-star games. I totally feel that way. Um, He's neither of those things. Uh, I mean, some of us are improving. He didn't give a time frame, I, I guess. <laughs> I think he's one of those people who's who like says the right thing in the media, but when given the opportunity, he's like, "Hey, Kyle, do you want to go to this party tonight, or do you want to get up early tomorrow and get into the gym?" 
he's like, eh, I'll go to the party and I'll definitely go to the gym tomorrow. And then he doesn't. Or if he goes, he doesn't put in what he's supposed to put in to get better from it. You know, he, he puts in that post-party gym effort, you know. The... Right. And oh, so, man. look, I don't have that anywhere on quote. I don't have anybody who's like, Kyle Kuzma parties too much. But that's kind of the vibe I'm getting is that while he says he's always working on getting better and that his game is always improving, the results aren't there and the rest of the league knows that. Uh, I just like the idea that he's like, yeah, man, I'm getting better. I'm going to be in the all-star game. But like no one, no one saw like the asterisk at the bottom of the corner. It's like eventually <laughs> one day <laughs> that does happen. Like it's, like typically when there's like a window when a certain player makes it to the all-star level where they consistently go to the all-star game over and over so a lot of times you'll see like eight-time all-star nine-time all-star five-time all-star four-time all-star and what happened is they they hit a certain peak where they really were one of the best at that position in their conference and there are certain times where it's just kind of not fair like you're the third best guard in your conference even though you're a huge deal um, that isn't Kyle Kuzma's problem. Uh, right. Unfortunate. But the Lakers now are primed to make a enormous run at it. But the interesting part, most interesting part about it, is that Russell Westbrook has a player option for the next year. It's $42 million this year and next year $49 million, but it's a player option. So there's an opportunity that if this doesn't work, it doesn't hurt them, hurt them, hurt them too bad because he can opt out. Right. When is $49 million? Although all intents seem to be that Chris Paul is still going to opt out of his $44 million a year and ask for three years and $100 million still from somebody. I keep thinking, like, my personal hope for that is that they, like, front load that. Where it's, like, 40 the first year, 30 the second year, and then 30, or, you know, 28 or something the third year. Like... <laughs> Because at least then they're not paying up like if they do it the other way where it's like twenty eighth this year, thirty five next year, and then forty four again, but it's three years later, people are gonna like talk mess about that deal. Yeah, I never understood the like the in this like the increasing budget. Well, that's the design of these things. Like the salary cap is based on the uh the average of all team salaries. So agents were like, oh, so that means we can move the salary cap by always escalating contracts. And plus it's always in your, like, when you're doing these deals, you know, oh, my guy's getting better every year. He's learning new skills. He's been in your system longer. Like, he's more valuable to you over time. Now, the problem is... Like, I understand understand that logic, but, like, what if someone, like, it's like the worst... Say that again. You 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 went out for a couple seconds. Oh right, I was saying it like the the escalating deal is so great until you get someone who's like flashed in the pan and they're garbage for like the next. Well, and that keep having a ton. Like you, you're like yeah. Like you paying this guy, you paid him twenty last year, paid him thirty five this year, and he's trash. <laughs> well, like so, or John you- Wall. John Wall signed Granite. Listen. When he signed it, he was one of the best point guards in the NBA. All right. With two years left, the Washington Wizards knew they wanted to keep him. They knew they didn't want him to go anywhere. So they signed him to an extension. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's another five years max money extension. So you're talking like, I'm, I've, got it, I've got the NBA in front of me. I can pull this up here, but you're talking massive numbers okay massive numbers um well he then at towards the end of one season he like cracks a bone in his heel um so then it's he's gotta it's gonna take he's gonna have to be off his foot for a little while yeah this year his number is 41 million two hundred fifty four thousand nine hundred twenty dollars jesus um, so then while he's dealing with that, he tears his Achilles rehabbing the heel. Tearing okay. the Achilles is massively worse. Uh, obviously, like there are players who don't come back from that. 
Then, while he's healing from that, he gets a crazy staph infection in the Achilles tendon. And for a little bit, there was concern about, like, the, the safety of his, like, healing. Like, like they were like, oh, we might have to carve away part of his tendon type stuff. Oh, um, so it, 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 it was incredibly scary. He missed like a year and a half, two, almost two full seasons of basketball. Um, and then he played a little bit last year. Coming into this season, he was finally healthy, and the Wizards trade him to uh, the Rockets for Chris Paul. Um, but, I mean, it's incredibly scary how fast all of that turned on them. <laughs> right. This guy's pretty good. I think we're going to keep him for a while. Oh, God, oh, no, what keeps happening to us? Right. This is the guy we're going to build our team around. And then they could no longer say that. I think I think that's really the struggle with trying to build around any singular person on a team or an organization. That's not just to... like, like every single. I feel like every single time it happens, it's like we it always falls apart in like the worst way, like well, nine times out of the, ten. It's definitely the dice roll. Like, like Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan, but Grant Hill was supposed to be not Michael Jordan, but great, and instead he messed up his ankle so many like. They had, I think he had seven surgeries on his ankle over, over six years. Um, like, it just happens that way. Did he never play basketball? Like, what, what is that? Like, so in Detroit, he was like, he was great. I think it was six years in Detroit. And then Tracy McGrady was in Orlando. And the idea was Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill would pair up in Orlando and be like the second coming of of Shaq and Penny. Shaq and Penny had led Orlando to a finals where they got swept by the Rockets. Very quickly, that team fell apart for money reasons. Shaq goes to L.A. The team kind of starts over, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward a few years. Now they've got Tracy McGrady. They, uh, I want to say they trade for Grant Hill. Um. They bring him in, and the idea is these two guys are going to be amazing together. They play about eight to ten games together, and it, it looks great. Like, it looks like it's really going to work. These are two guys who can share the ball. They're athletic. They're long. They shoot. They dunk. They defend. You're like, man, we're, we, Orlando is dangerous. And then Grant Hill can't stay healthy. And then the other thing about Tracy McGrady is – it's probably isn't something he would ever admit, but the real, real honest knock on him is if he's the only guy on your team, it's too much for him. When it's there and he can share it, he's great. When it when you need someone special, though, it can't be just him. And so Orlando never could get it together when it was every year. It'd be like, Grand Hill's going to be back this year. Uh, and then one year, I particularly remember – he, he rolled an ankle again, like the, like the third week of the season. They were just going to go in and do a little tweak surgically, clean some bone stuff up or whatever. Um, while it was still healing, for whatever reason, he traveled with the team. He flew. The air pressure messed up the surgery. When they landed, he had to deal with compartmental syndrome, uh, like which is like a, like a real danger to your limb. Like You could lose a limb from compartmental syndrome. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> All of a sudden, like it was over, like Grand, like for like two years, it's just the Grand Hill contract in Orlando. Um, Tracy McGrady finally gets traded to Houston. Yao Ming. All of a sudden, we're we're a team again where it's unique. Well, we draft Yao Ming, we pair him with Steve Francis. Eventually, Steve Francis isn't working out. They're not enough alone. So Steve Francis gets traded to Orlando for Tracy McGrady, basically. Uh, Katino Mobley, I think, is in that trade and some other stuff. Um, so then Tracy McGrady with Yao Ming again, it starts to feel pretty good, but Tracy McGrady starts to break down physically a little bit. Also, again, Yao Ming, it's the feet, his feet aren't strong enough to support this body, and he starts developing stress fractures and missing more and more and more time. Uh, and by the end, there, both uh, in one season, both Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming suffer season ending injuries. And 
by the time we get to the playoffs, I think Yamin goes down like right before the playoffs. And it's like the Ron Artest led Rockets against the Lakers in round one. And we, we took a good five or six game series, but they eliminate us. And like, it's like the all grit team. It's, you know, um, oh, I can't think of their names, but it's like, it's guys like uh, Landry and Chuck Hayes, who I hate. The Rockets would keep this guy on his team. He was the backup center to Yao Ming. He was six foot like five, and he was a center. Yao Ming's like nine feet tall. Right. And the rest of the centers are like a good seven foot. But Chuck Hayes was stocky. He was tough. He was gritty. He wasn't afraid of anyone in the NBA. Um, <laughs> so he would play center, and he would just physically put power into these people. And a lot of the NBA is kind of soft. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, and so he he could get results, and he was fairly effective on the court. But I hated that we had this scrappy, undersized guy that we would kept resigning and giving him money and sending him out there. And we're like, we found the world's smallest center. We looked stupid every time we played him. <laughs> I but, mean, he worked. I mean, it, it, it sort of worked. We could have had a center that was good. Instead, we had a center that was just upsetting to the other centers. <laughs> we went the other way. <laughs> um, he's not good. He's scrappy, which is, you know. Right, which is not uh, a synonym to good, like, for the records. Um, if you're looking for other words that mean good, scrappy isn't on the list. Um, <laughs> you sure? I'm pretty sure it's, like, eighth down. <laughs> I will say this. The Rockets just traded for, or the drafted uh, a kid by the name of Green. I like him a lot. I think he's going to be really good. I'm excited about that pick. Uh, we've been meandering through this whole show. We got to take a break. When we come back, we got a, just a little bit more nerd than radio coming your way. The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is a wonderful store located right there on 1488 in Conroe that sells comic books, gaming cards, gaming accessories, board games, as well as all kinds of fun nerd assorted accessories this is Corey dlg of nerd thug radio just reminding you that if you're interested and if you're bored if you got some free time if you wanted to go hang out at an interesting or fun place the adventure begins should be an option you consider everything from DD adventures league to miniature painting uh to even competitive card play and even competitive gaming events all those things occur at the adventure begins comics games and more Interested parties should absolutely check out the Facebook page for more information. Hey, 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 it's Stephanie Nadalny, voice of Kid Goku and Kid Gohan, and welcome to Nerd Thug Radio! <laughs> yeah! Welcome back to Nerd Thug Radio, right here on 104.5, 106.1, these sister stations, streaming worldwide at IrelandStar.com. Um... Yeah, how you doing, buddy? You you ready to do this? Uh, I wasn't before, but now I am. All right, I like to hear that. Uh, Nico, tell our friends about our friends. The adventure begins. Comics, games, and more. The adventure begins. Comics, games, and more is open at full operating hours. Uh, so they do have some events rolling back up here. So gotta make sure I have all my dates right. So Friday uh, at today? 6 p.m. That's today. Uh, you got the Star Wars X-Wing casual meetup. Saturday at 2 p.m. is the Pokemon meetup. And at 6 p.m. is Hammer Time. That's Warhammer Tabletop. And Saturday also at 6 p.m. is even more Magic Time. That is the Commander meetup. And then August 3rd, so it's next Tuesday, is the Digimon Set 5 pre-release. So that'll be, I think, a $25 entry. Are they already at set five of Digimon? It's it's like Digimon's only been out for like a year. Uh, so our first, I think, three sets were all together. So this is technically only the third set in English. Okay. All right. That makes a little bit more sense. Okay. Yeah. So basically, they, they caught us up with the Japanese release. So I all... gotcha. Intriguing. So yeah. So they're only like a set ahead of us versus them being like, three sets ahead of us, which would be super obnoxious. <laughs> it really would be. 
This okay. week, I have like an entire year every time. But anyways, so right there, the adventure begins. Uh, comics, games, and more. Just head on down. Fantastic store. Wonderful staff right there. Offer fourteen eighty eight. Pick up all your gaming, comic books, manga. Tons of stuff there. That's right. Uh, it's a great place. I get my books there as well. They hold them in a little box for me. They also sell my comic books. And um, as always, you should be checking that place out because it's what cool nerds do. Um, we got a couple more stories here that I want to touch on. First, I got a pet peeve, though. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not far enough in to have, a, have an official judgment yet, so we're not going to get into it. But I just started watching the Transformers Kingdom, the oh. third part of the Cybertron War trilogies, touching oh, yeah. on my favorite era of Transformers, the Beast Wars. The Beast Wars. Um, I'm already unhappy because they changed, it feels like, all of the voice actors from the Beast Wars era. Yeah, I mean, that's I don't know. It's really annoying because one of the f- coolest things about Beast Wars, listen to I lo- I really did like that show. Was like their Megatron in the show had the best evil guy voice. He would he would take these long pauses and then go yes yes, and the new guy just sounds like a jerk. Like <laughs> I can't. I don't know. I I, I don't know. Uh. I'm still trying to watch it. I'm not like not through it yet, obviously, but I I'm not happy that the voices are different. The old rat trap was a great voice. Uh, the only one that sounds the same might be Rhinox, but I, I, it, that might just be the guy doing a bit. I can't tell. But even Optimus Primal is a different voice, which is really throwing me off. Ooh, man, that is weird. Um, Dinobot's a different voice. Like they're not even putting the effects on the voice, like where. Dinobot had that like like hiss to him because he was a raptor. Um, yeah, like I don't know, man. Like I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. See, and like it's not gonna sound weird to me because like I would have never noticed that because I haven't watched Beast Wars. I don't know if that's true or not. You are oh only because you haven't watched it. Like you're obsessed with voice talent. Oh yeah, I mean, I can, I, I can pick up like if if you voiced in something, I probably have, I've, I could probably pick out your voice. Like, it, I have a freakishly good memory, especially if like, I won't even even like remember where they're from, but I know I've heard them before. All right, okay, that's fair. I do that. I like, I have a really hard time like, like if if I've if I've seen that something they're in before in the back of my head, I'll be like running through my catalog of movies trying to place them. Yeah, so like if it's pretty easy. Like one that always throws me off is a guy named Steve Blum. He did the uh he did a bunch of really big anime characters. He did uh Orochimaru from Naruto. He was in he was Spike Spiegel in the main character in Cowboy Bebop. Uh and he also was like the Toonami guy. Oh, that would mess with me a little bit cuz I'd be like, "Are you telling me what time my cartoons are on or what?" Right. Yeah. So like so he's got like his regular speaking voice, which is relatively low, and then he also has like a crazy high upper like register that like doesn't sound anything like him. And that's you know, kind of cool. So like you you're listening to him and you're like, wait a second, is this the same guy? Like he was he, he was in something, and I was like, wait, that was Steve Blum the whole time. I love him, and I didn't even know. You know what throws me off is the Archer guy is the guy from Bob's Burger is the guy in like a hundred other things. Right, but he did the exact same voice in Bob's Burgers as Archer. But, like, when they were first both starting before he was... He kind of has become, like, a celebrity voice person. Before yeah. that, though, because two of his shows are massive hits at the same time. Right. Um, before that, though, like, he was just a normal person, so it was really weird. I was like, why are they the same? Like, <laughs> what's going on? In his in his book, he has a, he has a chapter where he's like, He's like, how I failed to differentiate Bob from Bob's Burgers and Archer. And he's like, I didn't. I did the same voice. The end. That's the whole chapter. <laughs> I'm sure there's people who have said stuff along those lines to him. So that's fair. Um, but yeah, I just don't like that they changed them. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a nitpick for now. Like I've still got to watch the show and get through it. But well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull up the voice case and just like show how wrong you are or it's like they're all the same and you're just if they're all the same and they're not doing the same voice because it's not even close nico like it's not even close i don't i don't doubt that for a second because like i'm not so good that i would be like are they doing a different guy here if they were even trying to do the same voices i wouldn't know 
but like they're not even trying. That's how bad it is. Um, so like I said, it's Shade Friday, man. From every angle, Popeyes has released a new nugget to get to continue the chicken wars. Oh man! And I, I tried some the other day. They're actually pretty good. They are really good. Um, but in an effort to they say make peace. They are buying a million dollars worth of chicken from the other stores and donating it to charity. <laughs> That's pretty good. So, like, from Chick-fil-A, Wendy's, they, there was a list of them in an article, but I was kind of like, like, man, I don't, I don't think that that's as uh, complimentary as they think it is. Like, <laughs> they're giving it away. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I did think that was interesting. So they're getting in it. I think it's funny that like we we've we've like boosted like this weird like chicken war across so many different like fast oh, food chains. It's it's certainly an odd thing, right? Like it definitely like how did we get here? Like what? We're finally here. Man, a lot of people have voiced Megatron before. I had no idea. Um It's at least one... it's at least ten people. Oh well yeah, I mean Megatron's been around a long time. Uh, they probably changed him in the same show before. And people I don't know. Do you know the voice actor for uh Fred from uh it's uh, uh from Scooby Doo has been like the same guy for like the past the entire time? Well, Case Keenum was this was Shaggy forever. I mean, that's that's a known thing. Yeah, dude, wild. Um, I guess we got to touch on this also. Uh, over the weekend, Scar uh, Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson announced that she is suing Disney for breach of contract uh, for releasing the movie in theaters and same day digital at the same time. Um. We've actually touched on a couple of the other people who've had issues with this. John Krasinski and Emily Blunt kind of stood firm together, obviously because they're married, uh, about A Quiet Place, that they would both need to be compensated uh, a lot more if they released it in theaters and streaming at the same time, blah, blah, blah. Um, I believe they wound up giving it a theatrical release on its own and then like 40 days later releasing it onto Peacock streaming services. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was to avoid paying them substantially more money uh, to get out of the way everything was structured the first time. When A Million Little Pieces, the Denzel Washington, uh, Jared Leto, and other guy, weird guy, uh, the guy from who played Queen, uh, I can't think of his name. The three of them are all in that serial killer movie together. That was really supposed to be a major movie release, and Denzel Washington apparently was going to get a big piece of it. Well, uh, HBO Max renegotiated and gave him, like, uh, my understanding is he got a check for $20 million before that went to streaming on HBO Max. Um, And that was just to cover, like, listen, we don't know how much you would have done on the back end with the virus and everything else. here's, Here's what should cover your points. Sorry, bro. Um, That's awesome. I was also watching a spe- uh, Netflix has those movies that that moved us or whatever, blah blah blah, and it talks about how they almost didn't get made. Oh, are you talking about like the the movies that made us? Yeah, it's like a, it's like a sequel, kind of. It's the second season. It's it's based on the same concept as the toys one and the cartoons one and all the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it talks about these does, really interesting movies. Does it, it still just, have the, it still the, have the, the worst narrator ever. Yeah, I, I kind of like how they keep going back and forth though. It's it's ironic. It's funny. Um, but I was just watching one for Dirty Dancing or where they talk about points again. Uh, Dirty Dancing basically only had one producer, uh, one executive producer, and it's the executive producer's job to divvy up points that the studio didn't get. So the studio will come in with a big check to cover the movie, and they'll say, we're going to get, you know, the big studios will, will be like, we're going to get 60% of the points or whatever. Uh, this one was actually a smaller studio that came in and did this. It probably didn't get anywhere near that much. Um, so the executive producer hands out the rest of the points. And the only two people she didn't give points to were like the two people 
who found the, the associate producers, the ones who found the script and then like worked every day on set to help make it happen. Uh, she gave extra points though, to like the screenwriter, most of the actors in the film, uh, including uh, Jerry Orbick, uh, Patrick Swayze and uh, Jennifer Grey. But like, I just thought it was interesting that the, the actual producers didn't get any money. And the producer, as she was kind of explaining why she gave the points out, she was like, you know, I made a lot of people a lot of money. Um, basically, the, the from the writer from um, Dirty Dancing has made like $4 million a year every year for the since the movie came out. When I absolutely legend. That's, that's, listen, that's good math. All you have to do is have one big hit, man. I mean, look, that's all you need. That's all you need. Make 100 episodes of anything. Um... <laughs> All that being said, this brings us to the end of yet another episode of Nerd Thug Radio. Um, we're actually creeping closer and closer to 400 if Nico hasn't lied to me. Yeah, yeah, we're slowly there. 80, this is 83. So, pretty soon, my friends, pretty soon. Oh, also, uh, side note, the guy who did uh, Beast Wars Megatron is also the guy who did Animated Optimus Prime. So, take that with what you will. <laughs> But, but why are they using different – it's different people now, though, huh? Yeah, it is different. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On behalf of little brother Nico and myself, on behalf of Nerd Thug Radio and the Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and more, uh, July is wrapped up. Make sure to tune in to the last day of July. Up late with Nerd Thug Radio. We're going to be on 660 AM. I've sent out the uh, event invite. If you go to Facebook.com backslash Nerd Thug Radio, you can tune into the live stream. 11 p.m. Saturday night. Hang out with us as we blast it off into Dallas, Fort Worth, and Oklahoma City. Uh, if not, then we'll see you when we see you. This is Nerd Thug. The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is a wonderful store located right there on 1488 in Conroe that sells comic books, gaming cards, gaming accessories, board games, as well as all kinds of fun nerd assorted accessories this is Corey dlg of nerd thug radio just reminding you that if you're interested and if you're bored if you got some free time if you wanted to go hang out at an interesting or fun place the adventure begins should be an option you consider everything from DD adventures league to miniature painting uh to even competitive card play and even competitive gaming events all those things occur at the adventure begins comics games and more Interested parties should absolutely check out the Facebook page for more information. Hey, this is Booker T, six-time world champion. You're listening to Nerd Thug Radio. Now, can you dig it, sucker?